Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy Druids in cars going to festivals. Okay, so I just did a wedding last weekend. Um, It was entertaining, and Michael made me stop because we wanted to talk about our experience doing weddings. We had to turn on the recorder. (laughs) We had to turn on the recorders. So I haven't gotten to tell him my story yet. So I want to hear the story. Can I tell you my story now? Please. Okay. So I did this wedding last weekend, and the whole experience, um, like, of the entire wedding was very, um, like, communal and by, uh, like... We chose the date for the wedding as a group, like, of the attendees. Um, It was potluck. Um, People were encouraged to wear Halloween costumes or come however they felt fancy. Um, So it was very, like, group planned. Um, And so I had offered to sign their certificate for them, or their their marriage license, because... Um, everything was like, we don't know what we're going to do. And I was like, well, you're going to need a, a wedding license and I can sign that for you. <laughs> Would you like me to do that? You need a signature. <laughs> so I did that for them. But what it ended up being was as they, cause they, they wanted to stand up and, um, read out their relationship agreement yeah. that they had put together. Like that was what they wanted to do. And so we stand up and they had asked me to like, kind of be an MC. <laughs> and so we're all standing there and they're like looking at each other. I was like, do you want me to introduce you? <laughs> <laughs> so I introduced them to everybody who was there and already knew them. And, um, then they read their relationship agreement. And then what I thought was really cool, cause most weddings that I've done, the signing of the marriage license is like, you do it after yeah. and then you mail it in like that, that. But that was the only thing that they, like, relationship agreement and legally married. And so, literally in the middle, like, the middle of the, quote, ceremony, I read the certificate, like, the the fancy copy they give you, and signed it. Like, that was the thing that, that they wanted done. And it was really cool, but it was also an experience of, like, there is no script for this. Because we decided ten minutes beforehand that I was actually going to do more ceremony-type things. Yeah. And, like, I thought they might ask me to do that, so I put my stole in my bag and brought it with me. And, like, had a candle and some matches. Um, oh, we got to have a fire. But I didn't bring, I didn't bring, like, any kind of altar stuff, you know? So it was a very, very, very different experience yeah. than other weddings where it's like, 
you have a script and you go back and forth with the couple and you figure out what they want and this was very like on the fly they told me 10 minutes beforehand here's what we want you to do <laughs> it, it reminds me of a wedding that I did um, which was my first same sex marriage ceremony that I had ever done and I was, I was tickled I got to do it I, I was so very happy that they asked me to um, but then I found out that they wanted a welcome to Night Vale wedding. I remember you doing that one. <laughs> so I got to use that Cecil voice that you sometimes like to refer to, yes. to my my radio announcer voice as. Didn't you dress as an angel? No, I didn't dress as an angel. Um, I dressed as uh, it was it was during the election process, if I remember right, and. I, I believe I dressed as an election official or something like that, but it was um, the the outfit was stilts, a <laughs> plague doctor mask, and an off-brand snuggie. <laughs> yep. It was what I had to wear. So I had to make stilts. I had to borrow a snuggie, and I had to go buy a, a plague doctor mask. Um, but I I wrote out the whole ceremony for them. In Welcome to Night Style, <laughs> and uh, used that to to go through. And it was great because everybody dressed up, and it was kind of the strangest one I've ever done. But it was so amazing and awesome, and I got to I recorded it, so it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, most of the weddings that we do aren't like that. Most of them are very traditional kind of white wedding sort of things. Yeah. Um, and. So we get to spend time cooperatively building scripts with people who want to get married, want yeah. their, their day to be just right, uh, and that's it's a lovely thing. I really like doing them. I do too. Um, and I like uh, I like writing all those different modules, and like the thing I've been able to do now when people ask me to do their wedding and. I'm like, well, okay, so what kind of things are you looking for? And they're like, we really have no idea. What do people do? That is the most common thing to hear. Then I can send them, like, here are some of the things that I've done in weddings. Do yep. any of these appeal to you? Or do they give you other ideas that we can talk about? So it's been nice, like, now that I've done enough of them, that I have, like, this backlog of here are things that I've actually done in a wedding. Yep. And not everyone wants to do the same things. Not everyone wants to exchange rings. Not everyone wants to light a unity candle or pour unity sand. Um, not everyone has vows. Not everyone has vows. That's true. And so it's been... It's always interesting to, to find out what people want. And I like to, I like to tell couples, I'm like... My job is to find your vision and your vision and put them together in a way that makes you both happy. And most of the time, I think, like, we, we managed to That's get there. That's totally... So I totally use your um, intro yeah. for most of mine, which is the marriage is the center right of passage between two people um, whose paths were once different and they now choose to build them as their own. Yes. Um, and that's exactly what you just described for the ceremony. It's like a microcosm uh -huh. of marriage. It is. Um, <laughs> there, there are things that I that I won't do. Um, 
I, I am not a big fan of giving away the bride, mostly because I don't think that they're cows to be given as <laughs> as presents. Um, and so I've reworked that. I took that that very patriarchal idea, and instead of giving away a bride, if it whoever it is who is giving away, um, or would have been if I had interceded is instead joining the families together. And so I, I've... And it's a very subtle shift, and I don't usually have to explain it, you know, why I use this language, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably for the best, because I do tend to describe it as cows being given away. <laughs> and... Because that's what it is. And I... And, and so the the making that small shift changes the the tenor Mm -hmm. of the entire ceremony because instead of it being men giving to men, women which is usually how that ends up working out uh, at least in straight marriage it becomes families coming together and families joining and someone is given the honor of being the person who gets to, to join that that new family together created out of whole cloth. I really like, um, I know you've done it because you did it at my wedding, and I've done it for a couple of other families now, or a couple of other couples, um, is the, the, which way does it go? The mother of the bride? No, mother of the, one of the parents from one side and one of the parents from the other side. I don't remember which way it goes at the moment. I think it's the mother of the bride and the father of the groom bring the family flames. Yeah. Like they light their they light a family flame, like an ancestral flame, and then bring it up and then we use that for the unity candle that the couple lights yeah. in the ritual. The the really nice thing about that is unless you have a, a stiff wind um, you're not fumbling with a lighter in the middle of the ceremony. And that's that's actually why I did that. Because they have tapers? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they have tapers. They're walking in and for the most part you're you're not because nothing looks worse than trying to light something with a barbecue lighter. Okay, so this this wedding that I did this past weekend, right, because I I didn't know for sure what they wanted, so I brought a candle and some matches. Um they wanted to do kind of a unity flame and it was it was a little chime candle uh-huh. right and so we set that up on a stool and i lit a match for each of them and they're holding these matches and like literally there were no other candles <laughs> i handed them a lit match <laughs> and they lit the candle from there and like because i i rely on like improv speech um, one of the matches went out, and I was like, well, you'll have to light it off the other one, because that's what you'll have to do in life, and the rest of your marriage is... There you go. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I need like I need to write that down yes. to use later <laughs> in a script. <laughs> if someone's flame goes out, you kindle it again. You kindle it again, <laughs> just like you you will have to in your in your life. <laughs> I, I expect that we will see that language appear down the road. Now. Probably, probably. <laughs> um, I don't know, what other modules are there? Um, well, speaking of inflaming things, another thing that I've kind of changed... Oh, is um, the, the kiss language, yeah? Yes, the kiss language. It is no longer you may kiss your bride, 
Um, I, I don't think I have ever actually uttered that in a wedding ceremony. I haven't. What I have always <laughs> said is, I, I've said to the two of them, inflame this union with your kiss. And that way, they're kissing each other. It's not <laughs> one person kissing the other person. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that way better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, another module, though, another another thing that gets added in hand fasting is very very common. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a, a medieval tradition. It's probably not ancient pagan, but it looks pretty. It's and pretty. I really like it. I really like doing it. Um, and I think you use nine cords. I use nine ri- like wide ribbons. Yep. Um, and so that was like for my wedding, but then also I've I did a. Another wedding that they used five ribbons, kind of based on what what I had experienced with mine, and so we did kind of those five blessings for the couple instead of nine blessings. The the neat thing about hand fastings is that they're all so very different. So like you use nine mm-hmm. or five or whatever it is, you use the number of them, and I typically use a number of them as well. Um, but some people make and sell hand fasting cords, so you've got a single very nice looking hand fasting cord mm-hmm. um, I have a friend who made theirs um, uh, she's Wiccan and made it like under the light of a specific moon yep. um, and added charms like as she went and so like you and she, she's like it ended up being like 12 feet long because there's this thing where you're not supposed to cut the hand yeah. fasting cord and she's like <laughs> and it was just we could wrap it around us like four times because <laughs> it ended up being like way too long because she couldn't cut it yeah. but she she braided it and added charms in as she went that like represented specific things that they wanted to bring to their marriage or like other other stuff there's a whole cottage industry that has sprung up uh, in making hand fasting cords for people like me who don't know how to braid um which I will learn because I have a daughter I will learn (laughs) maybe for my son too but we'll see what he does Um, he likes his hair short the uh, but the pagan peddler who we've Jackie Mm -hmm. that we've interviewed a couple of times uh, here and then through our shop the magical druid as well um, we do custom ones and you can find them on Etsy they're all over the place so if you're looking for a hand fasting cord you know there are plenty of people out it's there to sell them. finding one that you like. Exactly. They're all different, <laughs> which is probably the best part. Yeah. Um, but some of them use charms, some mm-hmm. of them don't. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I learned that I, I figured out, I think with your wedding, because your wedding might have been the first one that I did a hand fasting on, actually. Um, I know I wrote most of the hand you fasting did. You wrote part. Most of that one, and I still sometimes use it. The, uh, but. I realized that it had to go last, otherwise you'd have to untie them right. in the ritual, which just seemed not right. <laughs> I so. will recommend, though, that if you're going to have a receiving line, do not <laughs> let your bride and groom or your couple walk out with their hands tied together, because that's what happened to us. And then not only, because we didn't want a receiving line, but we couldn't get away because we were tied together and we're trying to figure out how to get it off. And people just started coming up and shaking our hand. Well, trying to shake our hands. I was like, I can't. My hand is attached. Uh, So. I didn't tie your legs together. (laughs) No, but I couldn't. Like, word to the wise. If you're going to have a receiving line, don't do a hand fasting without untying them. 
well, or get it untied immediately when you get out. Um, but yes, or or tie it so that you can slip, slip it off it. or something. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of different ways to do hand fastings, but um, yes. And so, <laughs> but the reason that I do it last is so that I can tie right hand to left hand, so they can walk out. Yeah. Um, facing the facing <laughs> out because if you do it earlier and you keep their hands tied, all of a sudden they have to. There's blocking problems where they have to go around each other to the other side, or maybe you tied the wrong hands together and they can't walk out in the same direction. Right. So you gotta you gotta think about those kinds of things too. I've done a um, a blessing cup, which yeah. was really cool because I, I feel like a lot of people when they're thinking about like ritual structures, specifically like ADF druids. Are thinking in this core order of ritual, which a lot of times we don't really use for weddings. We we use like elements, but I think I've used it once. So I had a couple that wanted to use the whole thing. Yep. And so I asked them. I was like, and, and part of it was that they'd only been to two or three ADF rituals. And I asked them. I was like, Do you want me to take an omen in the middle of the rite? Because that's a thing that we uh-huh. we do in this structure. And and they did. So I took a public omen for them in the middle of the ritual. Um, to see what blessings they would have for their marriage, which was nerve-wracking, let me tell you. Um, but then I I put those into the cup, and what we we literally did was I they, they uh, were doing a very like Irish Irish Scottish Scottish wedding, um, I think. And I poured might have been both. They wore tartans. But it was definitely Irish whiskey. <laughs> but so I poured like each blessing, poured um, like a shot of whiskey yeah. into their quick, which I had to learn how to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is like a, it's a blessing cup kind so the, of the, thing. The two handle drinking cup or the two spouted cup? Yes. The ones that are hard to drink out of. Yes. So I I poured a shot of whiskey for each blessing and like in. You know, infused that and poured it in, and then they each took um, a sip of it. Yeah. Um, and and so that was really cool because we had also like we had their rings in the bottom of that cup, and so we poured the whiskey in. They drank their portion, and then they retrieved the rings from the blessing and put the rings on each other. And because it was alcohol, it's all clean. Right. Well, and I, I asked him, like, we're writing this, and I'm like, okay, so this means that they're going to be covered in whiskey. And they were like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> so, Some people would perfectly find more things being covered in whiskey, so, that's for sure. But it was really, really, like, I really liked the imagery of um, each pour was a pour of blessing, and then the rings themselves had been blessed, and so then they were giving those blessings to each other in addition so it was it was a really cool module the uh so both those things the the rings and the waters and the um and the cup are things that i've done slightly differently so in terms of the cup um when i wrote my wedding ceremony um and a couple of other wedding ceremonies the thing that i wanted to do i i had been reading Lady with a Meat Cup mm-hmm. by Michael J. Enright. And the, the concept of the warband and Indo-European you know, units and, and, and family structures and all this kind of stuff, the thing that had stuck out to me was that 
Beowulfian, I suppose, <laughs> um, notion of marriage as sharing a cup or um, you know, the, the touching of hands during a, a, a sharing of drink. There's a whole lot more under the surface there, but uh, the way that I created the module is that the priest hands the cup to the woman in this particular case. These were all heterosexual marriages. Um, but hands the cup to the woman because, again, we're talking ancient lore here. And she gets to choose her husband. So really, she can choose anybody that she wants <laughs> at that point. <laughs> Which is a point I often make. And fortunately for me, my wife chose me. But the, uh, the action there is the giving of the cup, the touching of the hands, the, the acceptance and the drinking of the cup. Um, all of that sort of flows together and harkens back to this notion of giving the meat cup to, the, to your intended, having them accept it, and also accepting you. So it's an act of hospitality, it's an act of um, generosity, and it's an act of invitation. And so then I took the cup and I gave it back to her. Mm-hmm. At that point I didn't have a choice. I had already <laughs> essentially committed um, by accepting the cup. So... It's, it's got a lot of formality built into it. Yeah. The other thing that we did is my wife being a social worker um, and young and beautiful uh, was also, she wore a ring, a decoy ring. Because she did home visits. And... She did home visits and stuff like that. So she was, before we were engaged, she wore a, a decoy ring on her, her ring finger so that people wouldn't hit on her, which says a lot about our culture, but... I'll leave that aside for now. And um, and so what we did during the ceremony is uh, we took her ring, and I, having never worn jewelry in my life, had also purchased a, a practice ring so that I could get used to the feel of a ring on my finger, which was actually really helpful. Mm-hmm. And so I wore a ring as well during the engagement. And then we took those rings, and we, we took our a rock and set it on the ground in the in the ceremony and then we bashed the shit out of them with hammers. <laughs> we <laughs> smashed them. the rings. We smashed the rings. And then um, Seamus, who was our priest for the um, uh, for the wedding, took them over to the well, cast them in, and said, you know, through the work that we have done today, through the acceptance of the meat, through all these things, we now draw out from the waters rings made whole, and he pulled the, the rings Ooh, back out. That's cool, but fully formed. That's and really cool. Yes, it was. It was really a nifty way to do it, and it felt really good. I really liked it. Um, the other thing that I did that tied into the um, that whole idea of the. Um, of the warband and the, the mead cup and all that stuff was the night before our wedding I gave her um, a dagger because the giving of weapons to, <laughs> to the woman is also a, an old Indo-European 
so that you could, uh, she could stab you if you wrong her? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Just that one yet. I was going to say, do you have any yet? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> it's been nine years. So. Other traditions. Have you ever driven a couple through two bonfires with some cattle? Um, hang on, let me think about that. <laughs> Not yet. We should add that to the list. We should add that to the list, and for anyone listening who would like that done, we are not that expensive. Please feel free to reach out to us, and we will drive you through a bonfire, (laughs) and you can be blessed with cattle. Woohoo! Cattle might be more expensive. Probably. Do you have a Do you have a hookup for cattle? Uh, You want to do the wedding in Kansas? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Are there any other? Let's see, we talked about unity flames, we talked about hand fasting. Yeah, and unity sand is kind of the same uh, is the concept same as, same as, as the flame. flame, yeah, like mixing two things together. Yeah. <clears throat> is all of the ritual work always contained within the formal ceremony for everyone for you? Not always. Usually it is, uh, mostly because time in the morning of a ritual or in the morning of a wedding is just too much at a premium. Um, I have typically offered to do pre-ritual blessings and things like that, um, armorings, that sort of work, um, but usually it gets pushed to the side by hair appointments and someone has to go find the parents of the groom <laughs> and those kinds of things. So we don't always get around to that stuff. Omens are the most common thing that I do outside of ritual. I either do those before or after, for mm-hmm. the most part. Um, and I always ask if someone wants an omen, because, frankly, omen taking can be scary when you are embarking on that big <laughs> right? thing That's why life. when I had to take, when I was taking that omen for that couple, like, in the middle of ritual, I was like... I don't know. <laughs> How many withered shoots can you pull? I don't know. <laughs> this is going to go. I mean, it was great, you know, but especially when you're taking an omen for a couple who you don't necessarily know. Yeah, or um, even a couple that you really like. Yeah. You never know what omens are going to say. It's part of the joy of them, and you have to be honest. Yeah. You can't, you can't that's, I mean, that's, dance around it. Right. I think the only thing that I've really done outside of the formal ritual structure is um, I had a friend ask me to do um, kernips beforehand yeah. and because they didn't want she wanted everything to be um, hallowed and blessed but it was not an overtly like super pagan wedding and so I did kernips and brought them back for her to um, cleanse herself and like wash her hands and face before makeup, which was the, the like tricky yes. part, was because I had to get that back there so she could do it before then. Um, yeah, you don't want to be hitting people in the face with water when they've got their makeup well, on. You did it herself, it's fine. <laughs> um, but, and then came back out, and in the like, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes before like they walked out and came up the aisle, I was essentially doing almost an entire court order of ritual, hallowing everything. Yes. Um, for them. Yeah, the, the hallowing of the space and the preparation of the space is really the key thing that I typically do that is not in the script for the ceremony. Right. Um, and that's something that 
I don't even usually ask. I just do it because it's... If well, they trust me enough was, to ask me to do religious stuff, they'll trust me when I do that. Well, so. this was, like, specific things. Like, they wanted kernips, and then there were a couple of specific deities I was calling who they weren't going to call in the right, but they wanted them present. And so I had... Um, I think one of them they had written the invocation for, and then there were a couple of others that I had written the invocation for and was calling them to be present for the right. Um, Briefly, for those listening at home, kernips? Oh, kernips are Greek, Hellenic, purified water, and it's made by um, adding fire to water. And that's it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. One of the other things that I've done is... I have done things like I've I've done small separate ceremonies for signing documents, um, especially because the state of you know when you when you solemnize a marriage, which is the language that the state of Ohio uses, the the process is sacred, mm-hmm. and so it doesn't matter where you are, who you're with, who's there, um, but the actual act is a solemnization. Mm-hmm. And so doing that is or can be a ritual unto itself. Um, sometimes it's also just a picture opportunity. But for the most part, I try and, and for myself at least, get myself into that space. Yes. It's hard to get. I don't typically try and reset the couple into No, because they're all, like, giddy, because we do, exactly. I've done it after, like... Usually it's after. They, they're done with the ceremony. They're done with the ceremony, and they're, like, giddy and happy, and... Yeah, they don't need to recenter themselves. Right. They've been drinking and eating cake. It's cool. Yeah. So... <laughs> yeah. Um, I did a cool thing with, um, one couple, they had, they had gotten married later in life, and so, like, her parents had both died, and... He had one parent there, and the other one, like, lived somewhere where they couldn't get to him. Um, And then they had people, like, friends who lived kind of all over the country and couldn't make it in. And so there was a section that I put in the, like, in the introductions of welcoming people, where it was welcoming those who wished they could have been here. Or could not come. Or could not come. And and so for them, I had, like... um, it was kind of cool because she told me stories about her parents and I wrote an invitation to them. Yeah. Like, and so that was really cool, like an experience for me, um, having someone describe their mom and then having to invite that ancestor to be present was, was really cool. Um, and I, I did that in another wedding where, um, they had set out chairs for ancestors who had passed and put pictures of each of those people in those empty chairs and so used kind of that same language of like those who have passed or could not be here. Yeah. Um, that was really cool. Yeah. There's a lot of good tradition out there. And the neat thing about weddings is it doesn't actually matter what tradition you, you follow or create or use. Um, as long as it works for the couple. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, it's not that terribly important. Um, it will either serve as an example of something really cool, or you know, an example of what not to do. I've seen that in rich in, in weddings as well. I don't think I've ever seen it in a pagan wedding, but I've seen it in, in 
plenty of weddings. Yeah. Um, I really like that with, um, with uh, particularly with pagan weddings, is that there's a lot of creating new stuff that we yes. get to do. Um, and so, like, these different kind of modules that we're talking about, like, there's, we have a lot of stuff we can draw on to make things really cool and meaningful. In 10 miles, take exit 55 to merge onto US 219 North Torridge Road. Sure thing. Well, especially when, you know, we're all constantly creating these things. And then, the really nifty thing about them, I think, is not just that we get to create them, but then we get to see them grow legs and keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it has happened to me where I have gone to a pagan wedding of people I did not know and heard my words come out of the mouth, and it's like right. Whoa, cool. <laughs> it's really cool. I don't know that person, but they're saying my words. <laughs> That's really cool. So, wedding scripts are commonly stolen. Yes. And by stolen, I mean just lifted wholesale because <laughs> people don't know how to write them. Mm-hmm. And that's why they hire us, frankly. <laughs> um, and it's really, it's really nice um, to see your stuff get reused and it's really nice to get to reuse your stuff yeah. and to, to refine well, and, it. Yeah, and to play with it, to meet each individual couple's needs. Yes. Yeah. So, And this is also... Weddings are one of the only things where I am on script. Yes. Almost exclusively. Weddings, funerals. Even funerals have a lot more space for extemporaneousness, I think. It's not a lot of room. It's not a lot of room. But there, there's there's space for that, mostly because you never know quite what's going to happen. At a funeral, weddings are far more predictable because people are very well-behaved, typically, at them. But yeah. funerals, because of grief and because of fear and anxieties and things like that, they're... Things they're, are just more unpredictable. Yes. And we can do a whole show on that, frankly. Yeah. And maybe we should. <laughs> but um, the weddings are always on script. I have words in front of me. I yeah. read. Well, I'm saying weddings and funerals, I have a script. Like, it's expected for me to yes. have a script. Baby blessings. And I, like I've used too. it for baby blessings, but that has a lot more leeway. Like you can. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something that you'd like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsincars at threecranes.org. If you would like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org/slash donate. Druids and Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.